scripture reading this morning, if you can follow along in your Bible, is Psalm 112. Psalm 112, we'd like to read all 10 verses. Normally we read responsively, but since you're in your cars, we'll read in unison. If you can read with me, that'd be great. Psalm 112, all 10 verses, reading in unison. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Under the upright there riseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. He that he hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. May God is blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. And now, Heavenly Father, on this Father's Day, Lord, in America, we pray for godly men. Lord, we pray for each person within the sound of this voice this morning. Lord, I pray for a prayer blessing on every man and woman, but especially our fathers that are here this morning, our men that are here. Speak to hearts, dear God. If we ever needed godly men in America, it's today. Lord, help us, we pray. Bless the message to follow here, and we pray this in Jesus' name. For your sake, may you be honored and glorified. Amen. Well, this is our second to last drive-in service. We'll do it again next Sunday, Lord willing. And then we're going to retreat or go back into the building on July 5th on God Bless America Sunday. We look forward to that. I look forward to getting inside I was thinking as the ladies were having technical difficulties in singing in the microphone, and I'm preaching to whatever I'm preaching to, 50, 60 of us, whatever there is here this morning here, uh, and I have to do it by way of FM radio, and hopefully you can hear me okay. If you can hear me, can you hear me okay? Give me give a horn honk if you can. Got it. Okay. Thank you. I can't hear, hardly hear myself, let alone you, of course, or can't see you. Look forward to getting back in the building, but I couldn't help but think as the ladies were singing... As I'm adjusting my notes here, I was thinking of Jonathan Edwards back in our country and what was known as the First Great Awakening, 1741 to 1746 or 1750, depending on who you listen to. Jonathan Edwards crossed the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, seven times to come to America and preach. He preached 6,000 plus times in the colonies, preached in almost every state and hamlet, or every state and every hamlet in America and the colonies in the days. He preached in Middlefield, Ohio, or Middlefield, excuse me, let's try that again, Middletown, Connecticut. Time out here, I'm getting my notes straightened out here. He preached in Middletown, Connecticut. It said an estimated crowd in 1743 to 30,000 people without the aid of a microphone. Can you imagine? It said that Jonathan Edwards could bring people to tears by saying the word or the name Methuselah. <laughs> uh, he was the youth of God, and it was a great awakening in our country. We've lost our history in America. 
that we'll say that for another day. We look forward to preaching on a God Bless America, or rather, uh, My Country Tis of Thee on July 5th, two weeks from today. But this morning, our text is found in Psalm 112. Verse number one is our text verse. This is Father's Day, of course. I want to address and speak to every man first and foremost, every lady as well, but every man, every father within the sound of this voice. The Bible says, Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Psalm 112 is one of the hallelujah psalms. It starts off with, Praise ye the Lord. It was written by man. Matter of fact, all of the Psalms, all 150 Psalms, the songbook was written by men. In fact, for a point of historical truth, all of the Word of God was written by men. It was penned by men. It was penned by not just men, but godly men, every one of them, over a period of 1,600 years. Our entire Bible was written by men on Father's Day. I want you to know this is a male thing, a man thing. David, we believe, is the attributed writer of the book, the Holy Spirit being the author, of course. David was a man's man. He was a family man. He was, of course, a son. He was a brother. He was a husband. He was a father. He was a grandfather. And he's the, for, the, the founding father of a nation called Israel in a, in a city called Jerusalem. David was a businessman. He was a shepherd. He started off in his tween years, 10, 12, 13 years of age. Started off as a shepherd. From there he was a servant. Of course, he was a son. He became a soldier when he went down to the Valley of Gath against Goliath. And many years afterwards, where he fought the Philistines and fought the Amalekites and the Ammonites and the Moabites and all those otherites as well. And he was a statesman. He was a sovereign. But David was not only a shepherd and a servant, soldier, statesman, sovereign, but David was a spiritual man. The Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. What an accolade. What, a, what an honor to be called that. Yet David, even though he was a man after God's own heart, he, David was a failed man. David's number of his failings and his falls and his sin are recorded in Scripture for us to read. The difference between Psalm 11, 111 and Psalm 112 is simply this. Psalm 111, look at verse number 1. Praise ye the Lord. It starts off the same way as Psalm 112. It's another hallelujah psalm, or hallel psalm as they're known as. But Psalm 111 is about a righteous God. Psalm 112 is about a man that God makes righteous. Our righteousness is in Christ Jesus, gentlemen. If you're saved today, you're righteous in Christ Jesus. He makes us righteous. And so the application this morning is every man, this message is geared specifically to fathers, obviously, and to men in general. Every man this morning here, I want you to know that we're all flawed men. The Bible says, as is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But David was called a flawed man. There's only been one perfect man in all of creation. And he wasn't created, he was the creator. He's called the God-man, man, the man Christ Jesus. No man can be here a God-man, but we can be godly men. We're all flawed men, but in Christ we can be godly men. And I want, to know, want you to know this morning here, I don't want to get negative this morning here, but we're living in godless days. America has never seen turmoil days like we've seen right now in these days, ahead, these days right before us. This 
9-11, the Vietnam War, World War II, Korean War, they all pale in significance and in damage in regards to what's happening in our country today. It's uh, terrible what we see it happening with rioting and looting and burning and lawlessness and where evil becomes good and good becomes evil. Pray for America. We're, without God, we're, we're hopelessly lost. When the Bible says that the righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is reproached to any people, and the wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations shall forget God. If we ever needed godly minutes today in America, I wanted you to see just a way of introduction this morning before we get to our outline on the back of the bulletin. The Bible says two things about godly men. First of all, they fear the Lord. They fear the Lord. They fear the Lord more above everything and everyone and everybody. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 reminds us that the, the, fear of the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of godliness. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So they fear the Lord. Godly men not only fear the Lord, but they delight greatly in his word. Verse number 2 says, or verse number 1 says, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. They fear God's word. Now you're, every man within the sound, sound of my voice this morning, you're listening to me this morning. You're here at church. Thank you for that. You're in the parking lot of God, if you will. But I want you to know, and I'm not picking on you because you're here. But unlike Mother's Day, Mother's Day is one of the highest attended, it's one of the first, second, or third highest attended Sundays of the entire year. Father's Day, not so much. As a matter of fact, Father's Day is one of the lower attended services of the entire year. There's several reasons for that. But there's many men that are not godly. They'd rather be fishing. They'd rather be uh, doing sports when we used to do sports. They'd rather be relaxing and doing things around the, the barbecue or the grill pit than be in the house of God. But the godly man is one that fears the Lord. The godly man is the one that delights in his word and they love it's just meditation day in and day out. Oh, how I love thy word is my meditation, the psalmist said, every day. And so I want you to notice this morning, and still in wave, just a quick introduction, we'll get to our message proper. I want you to see six things, note six promises found in this passage's text, this scripture concerning godly men. First of all, there's the promise to his children in verse number two. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. We had a family reunion on Sonny's side of the family last year. Every three years, we're starting to have a family reunion now, and we've done it every three years apart now, in, or two years, I guess, in, in Tennessee. And about 45 of us gathered together, and uh, the offspring of Jim Shear, my father-in-law, he was a godly man, I want you to know. He was a telephone repairman all of his life, and then he worked in the office the last 10, 15 years. Of, he worked for AT&T or Ma Bell back in those days. Worked for, I think, 43 years. One job he had, and then he retired. He never was a pastor. He never was a preacher. I don't think he ever preached a, uh, an official message from the pulpit ever in his life, but he was a godly man. He was a faithful tenor of his church. He was a deacon. He raised seven kids, six daughters, and a, and a son was the seventh and final child. I wish I could say all of them are living for the Lord, but five of the seven are living for the Lord. He raised, he raised seven children. He, raised 20, he had 20 grandchildren. That number is going up and up and up from the, the great-grandchildren. He's got a godly heritage after him. The Bible says his seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. I want you to notice that there's a promise to the, for the godly man to his children. And secondly, there's a promise in regards to his character. Verses 3 and 4. The Bible says, 
wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. That phrase, his righteousness, you'll find it three more times in verses 4 and verse 6 and verse 9. You'll find that his righteousness endures forever. It's, it's a character that he has that where he walks right, he talks right, he, he conducts himself right. In fact, that's his point number three on our worksheet. The blessings of the godly man. He, there's a promise of a posterity of children that live for the Lord, children that will be blessed after him. Children that will receive blessings because their daddy or their granddaddy walked with the Lord. There's his character. It's righteous. It's declared righteous by God Almighty. There's number three, his conduct. Look at verse number five. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. His conduct is right. Hey, back, remember when police officers used to be good guys? Remember that day? By the way, they still are good guys, most the vast majority of them, and all God's people honk your horns. We got a righteousness is getting crazy when we when Paw Patrol gets X from a, because it's a cartoon to, to of a dog police officer. We got problems in our country when when we're despising police officers. That's for sure. Well, there used to be a guy that had right conduct. His name was Dudley Do Right. Remember Dudley Do Right? Can I get one horn honk? Thank you. Two, okay. Dudley Do-Right, the Canadian Mountie, Rocking Bullwinkle. He was a hero. Today he'd be a villain. But the Bible says his conduct, one famous preacher said this way, our conduct, do right till the stars fall. And when the stars fall, do right. Do right when you don't feel like doing right. Do right when everybody else is doing wrong. Do right. So he's blessed in his conduct, he's blessed in his character, he's blessed with his children. Then fourthly, there's a blessing of, there's uh, a promise of his confidence, verses 6 through 8. Notice what it says. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. The Bible says he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. I don't want to be a prophet of doom, but I see America crashing and burning. I see America that once was in a new America that I don't like to see at all that's evolving in front of our very eyes. We're about ready to plunder, but my hope is not in America as much as I love my country. My hope is in God. His heart is fixed. Verse number 8, his heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see the desire of his enemies. So we see his confidence, his conduct, his character, his children. But then verse number 9, notice his charity. He hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. Godly men love. Godly men don't hate. Godly men love. Godly men give and share and are kind. And work, by the way. They don't riot. They work. That's a good place for a horn honk, by the way. Thank you. The charity... Charity suffereth long and is kind, 1 Corinthians 13 says. The Bible says that God is loved, Jesus Christ loved. He came to Lazarus' tomb and the Bible says he wept, Jesus wept. Jesus is the lover of men's soul. Jesus is the, the kindest, he was the strongest man there ever was, and yet he was the meekest man there ever was. And there's a blessing to the promise of prosperity to that godly man that has charity. Then lastly, number six. Notice his commendation. We read verse number 6, verse number 9. It says, He hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. One day he will be, 
hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to hear those words. I don't know about you, but I want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We suffer long. We, we suffer and we, we, we endure some hard times, but that's part of the godly man. The Bible says, yea, and all that will be godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There's persecution to be had to the godly man, but there's reward. There's a commendation. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Enter thou, uh, the Lord is, will commend that faithful servant. So here's the outline proper, as I like to call it. Verses number one this morning, the fourfold challenge for the would-be man of God, for the would-be godly man. Let me talk to you and broaden it to not just fathers, but men in general, teenage boys, ladies, you can listen along too, and you can apply it certainly to your heart and life as well. But number one this morning, a fourfold challenge. I want every man, every father to acknowledge the power of your influence. To acknowledge the power of your influence. You are more influential than you realize. The Bible says, for none of us liveth or dieth unto himself. People are looking at you, Father. They're looking at you, man. They, if you're at church today again. You're in the house of God this morning or the parking lot of God. But there's some guys that name the name of Christ. They're at home. They're working day. They're working when they should be in church. They're, they're loafing when they should be in church. And people are looking at them and they're being an influence. But I want you to know that the godly man is an influence. He's an influence first of all upon his wife. Ephesians 4, 25, 24 says... Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. The wives are, are the husbands are to be the head of the home. The husbands are to guide the family. We have too many. We have whole matriarchal civilizations and societies, countries that are matriarchal run or lady women run, and men should be running the roost, ruling the ruling the the house. That's what God says, as Christ. It's the head of the church, so the husband should be the head of the, the wife. And that's not uh, uh, misogynism, that's, that's, that's not machoism, that's not masculinity gone astray. That's just pure Bible 101, where God says that we ought to be the influence on our, of our wife. We ought to be bringing our wives to church, not the other way around. We ought to be the spiritual heads of our home and take your family to church. So your influence, father, man... It's greater than you think. You influence your wife. I want you to know that many divorces happen because of the ungodliness of an ungodly or a man that's ungodly and not godly. But there's influence not only of your wife but of your children. And might, I might add to your children's children. Psalm 127 reminds us that children are inherited to the Lord and the fruit of his womb is his reward. As the arrows are in the hands of a mighty man, so are the children of the, of the youth. Point your children in the right direction. Why should they come to church if you don't come to church? Why should they read their Bible if you don't read your Bible? Why should they be godly when you're not godly, man? We are to be an influence on our children. Ephesians 6, 4, the Bible says, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture in admonition of the Lord. Every man in this room here, or this, this, this room, <laughs> in this car, in your cars, every man in their car, you're more influenced than you realize. Make your, people are looking at you. No man liveth or dieth to himself. God's, you know, people are watching you. They're watching how you live. And if we ever needed 
godly men in America, it's certainly now. But rapid fire, let me give you, I want to hurry through this second point here because it's, it can be depressing, but let me, let me give it to you. Avoid the pitfalls of your mas masculinity. Secondly, every man in this, this parking lot, avoid the pitfalls that come along with masculinity or maleness or manhood. There's six natural pitfalls. First of all, men are given to arrogance. Arrogant husbands and fathers. Arrogant, mean, prideful. The Bible says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. We've got a lot of arrogant men out there. They don't need God. They don't need their wives. They don't need their children. They don't need anybody else. They're arrogant. Godly men, not so much. They need God in their life. They, they, they cherish their wives. They love their children. They know that they're responsible and they're patriots in their country and they love their country they're not arrogant they're humble they walk with with meekness and and humbleness of heart but the natural pitfalls to be arrogant secondly autocratic that word autocratic has the idea of, of an island unto yourself so govern self-governing you don't need anybody in your life again there's many millions of divorces that happen because man says i can live on my own i don't need anybody else in my life i don't want anybody telling me what to do or or how to love or do anything like that. They're autocratic. They're, they, they won't even let God take care of their, control their life for them. Not letter C on the worksheet, a third pitfall of masculinity is that of absentee husbands and fathers. Absentee husbands and fathers. Let me tell you what the black community needs more than they need uh, police reform. They need fathers in the house. They need men that will stand up and be men. They, they don't need government taking care of them. They need God taking care of them. They need a father. And they need to stand up and not ride but work. That needs, that's for everybody else as well. And uh, I want you to know that we have absentee fathers in our country. That's, most of the prisons are filled with 83% of all people that go to prison, or 89% I think the number is, are come from fatherless homes. 83% maybe it is. Have no father in the house. The song was written by Harry Chapin. I've quoted it before. I've been to the place where Harry Chapin died on Long Island twice. It's a little cul-de-sac. It's a rather a roundabout, just uh, oh, just ten miles west of us or east of Astoria, if you know where Astoria is. Not far into Long Island. And there's a sign there where Harry Chapin died. Say, who is Harry Chapin? He died one year after he wrote this song. The song was called The Cats in the Cradle and the Silver Spoon. Little Boy Blue and the Man in the Moon. When are you coming home, son? I don't know when, but we'll get together then, son. You know, we'll have a good time then. I won't quote all the lyrics. Some of you old-timers know, know the ballad, The Cats in the Cradle. But the, the, the father didn't have time for the son. And one day... And the cat's in the cradle on the silver spoon, a little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, Dad? I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. Well, he came from college just the other day, the next verse says. So much like a man I just had to say, son, I'm proud of you. Can you sit for a while? He shook his head and said with a smile, what I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later. Can I have them, please? And the cat's in the cradle on the silver spoon. 
Little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, son, I don't know when. But we'll get together then, Dad. You know we'll have a good time then. I've, the last verse says, I've long since retired and my son's moved away. I called him up just the other day and said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I could find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle and the kids have the flu. But it's sure been nice talking to you, Dad. It's sure nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he'd grown up just like me. Yes, my son was, my boy was just like me. We've lost our kids. There's, a, there's a absentee fathers. There's abusive fathers. By the way, there's abusive mothers as well. I think we have as many abusive mothers today as we have abusive fathers, I'm afraid to say. But uh, we have angry fathers. We have aloof fathers. Letter E. Men are naturally loners. They're aloof. They're emotionally distant. They're cold. They're silent. They're frigid. They're rigid. They're standoffish. They're remote. They're unaffectionate. Unaffectionate, rather. It means withholding our affections and expressive love. Aloof. Before you know it, we're becoming an island unto ourselves, arrogant and autocratic and, and abusive and angry and absentee. And we lose everything that is good and perfect in life and wonderful in life, like our children and our wives. Oh, God, give us godly men. So that leads me to Roman numeral number three, and we'll be quick here this morning. I want you to arrange the priorities of your life. This is the first day of the rest of your life. doesn't matter if you're past. It's all gone. Tomorrow's gone forever. Tomorrow's the first day of summer. We've got theoretically 89 days of summer left now. What are you going to do with this summer of living for the Lord? I want to give you three priorities to put in first place starting today on Father's Day, on Man's Day. First of all, develop a right relationship with God. A right relationship with God. Psalm 127, verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. Except the watchmen keep the city, the, the, the watcher, the... the he, he waketh but in vain, the Bible says. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Gentlemen, let me preach at you for 10 seconds. What is first place in your life? Anything you put, God, anything you put before God is an idol. It could be your hobby. It could be your work. It could be your playtime. It could be your work time, whatever it is. It could be your wife even. It could be your children. Don't put anything before God. Start your relationship in the morning with reading the Word of God. Read the Bible. It's for Christian men and not just for pastors or missionaries. Read your Bible and pray every day. This is, develop a right relationship with God so you can have a godly heritage. Then a right relationship, secondly, with your family. Today, start a right relationship with your, with your family. Working with our family is a nurturing business. I said a couple weeks ago, maybe it was last week, I started a garden for the first time in my adult life. I got a huge garden. It's about the size of this platform right here. That's all I can handle. I got some sweet peppers, some hot peppers, some tomatoes, some big tomatoes, some cherry tomatoes, some beans, some onions. And I found out that I have to water them in this drought season. I have to take care of them. I have to do a little weeding and raking or I won't grow. What am I doing? I'm nurturing my garden. Otherwise, it'll turn to weeds. It'll turn to rot. I could destroy it in about two minutes flat. 
but to, to work it and to create a garden and to get fruit in the season, I'm going to have to nurture it and be kind and gentle. And like the Lord Jesus, he's a gentle shepherd. God calls us men to be, to nurture our relationships with our families, with our wives, with our children. It's long and tedious and it's longer than the summer. It's a whole lifetime. Work whether you be a, maybe you're a son this morning here or we're all sons of somebody and a brother to somebody maybe. A husband to some, or to, to, to a, a wife and a father to maybe some children and a grandfather to some little ones. Develop a right relationship today with your family. Develop a right relationship today. Begin a new relationship with fresh new with your God. Thirdly, develop a right relationship with yourself. Or with yourself. You, you know, we're, we're our worst enemy, but we're also our, we can be our best friend in the sense that you need to be selfish in regards to the preaching of the Word of God. What do I mean by that? The songwriter said this way, Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. This message, what I'm trying to say, is not for the person next to you. It's, this message is for you. Go ahead and be selfish. Take it in. Drink it in. Ladies, I'm talking to you as well. Make this message be for you. Take care, take care of thyself. Take heed to thyself and to the doctrine. Learn the Word of God. Live the Word of God. Do the Word of God that you might be an influence and a blessing to all around you. You'll be no good to nobody else if you default from your Christianity. Paul's greatest fear was that he would be, 1 Corinthians 9, to be a castaway. He said, but I fear less by any means when I preach to others. I myself should be a castaway. Take care of yourself spiritually. Take care of your family spiritually. Put, your, put God first place in your life. Then, lastly this morning here, Assume the place of responsibilities. Assume the place of responsibilities. Assume your financial responsibilities. We're becoming a debtor nation, I'm afraid. We're becoming a welfare nation. We're, we're, we're becoming a giveaway nation. Blessed be the man that goes to work and takes care of himself and takes care of others. When, when the definition of a real man is somebody that takes care of himself and at least one other person. To go from boyhood to manhood is when you can take care of yourself and one other person at least, if not more than one other person. We are to be take care of a, take care and pull our own weight financially. And uh, the Bible says, if any man provide not for his own, he's worse than an infidel and denied the faith. Our help is not in government again. Our help is not in a welfare check. Our help is not in an unemployment check. Or our help is in the Lord, of course, and in working financially or being faithful and Hard work, God blesses that in a great way. So assume your financial responsibilities. Secondly, letter B, assume your, your, your spiritual responsibilities. Back in verse number one, fear the Lord and delight in this word. Lead your family in godliness and in church. That leads me to letter C, assume your family responsibilities. So take it, own up, buck up if you will. And... Take on your financial responsibilities. Take on your spiritual responsibilities. Take on your family responsibilities. And lastly, this morning, maybe I'm speaking to someone today, and maybe this whole message hasn't made any sense to you whatsoever. I know the delivery hasn't been that good, of course. I understand that. But the message itself or the, the content is good. And the fact is, the matter is, that Lord Jesus Christ is the, the author and giver of life. Without him, there's no hope of eternity. Without him, there's no hope of salvation. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. 
And so I want you to assume the responsibility of your soul's salvation. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is the day to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe I'm talking to just one person, just one person, maybe three or four or five people that need to receive Christ as your Savior. Coming to church, you can come to the quarantining service every time we have one. You can come inside the building for the rest of your life, and it won't make you a Christian. Just like sitting in your garage won't make you a car. You got to receive. You got to be born again by receiving Christ as your Savior. Have you been saved? Have you been born again? Have you received Christ as Savior? You cannot possibly be a godly man without the God Man in your life, the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people, honk your horns. Let's have a word of prayer on this Father's Day, Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray for our men, especially our fathers. I pray a prayer blessing upon them. Lord, I pray for everyone within the sound of this voice this morning, dear God. Thank you for our fathers. May we maybe call them up on the phone today or text them or tell them if we have a father or a grandfather still alive, tell them how much they mean to us, how important they are in our lives. Lord, I thank you for the dad that you gave me. You taught me how to work. You taught me how to dream and have a vision and to not be afraid to take chances and reach out and, and uh, try. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I pray you'd bless them at 83 years of age. Bless our dads. Bless our... Our, our men, bless our teenage boys. Bless each person within the sound of this voice, we pray. And Lord, help us to, uh, to walk with thee now in these strange and troublesome and evil days, we pray. Maybe there be, we be godly men and women in the age of godliness, godlessness, and we'll thank you for it. I pray this in Jesus' name.